Fitness is your ability to cope with and recover from stress. And the best way to level up both your mental and your physical fitness is by making small but powerful changes to your daily habits and routines. With this podcast, I aim to bring you a combination of short educational solo casts and slightly longer conversations I've had with a wide variety of fascinating people. The goal? To help you develop a lifestyle which supports your mental and physical fitness and improves your overall quality of life. My name is Jay Unwin. Welcome to FitBody FitMind. Welcome back to Fit Body, Fit Mind with me, Jay Unwin, and I have got an amazing guest with me here today who I'm absolutely stoked to have here. Uh, it's a guy called Jordan Syatt. Now, this guy, uh, I'm, I'm going to try not to blow too much smoke up his ass and make him feel too kind of egotistical at this point, but at some point in the past, I nearly completely binned off the fitness industry entirely. I was sick of the ego. I was sick of all the bullshit, and this guy and a handful of others kept the flame burning for me because I realised that it wasn't everyone that was an asshole in the fitness industry and there were some good people out there. So I owe quite a lot to this guy and I'm super excited to have him on. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Thank you for uh, thank you for that intro. I appreciate it, man. I'm excited. Yeah, it's good to have you here, mate. It's good to have you here. How have you been today anyway? You all good? Yeah, I'm great. Did jujitsu early in the morning, got my ass handed to me by another guy. So it's a good way to start the day. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You've got to, you've got to keep humble, right? It's exactly right. I've got a I've got a, a really important burning question to ask you before we get into the, the the meat of this, and I think this is what everyone has been you know wondering for years really, and that is who could lift the most out of all the characters in Harry Potter. Oh man, I think that would pr- well without using magic, we'll say Hagrid. I think yeah, it's Hagrid got to be, would probably it? be like without yeah. magic. Yeah. But with magic, obviously, I'd probably have to put Dumbledore on that one. Oh, yeah. I'd like to see them go against each other. I think that could be an interesting interesting powerlifting meet, right? (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) So um, fitness, obviously, you've been been in the fitness industry. You've built up a a pretty big profile over the years that you've been active um, with, you know, on Instagram, you're over 700,000 followers who are kind of not, I I wouldn't say hanging on every word you say, but they're, they're influenced in some way by you. But... What does fitness mean to you and in, in how does it fit into your lifestyle and, and what's your kind of philosophy around it? Yeah, you know, I think it's a good question because my own view of fitness has radically changed over the years. And a lot of it has to do with what I've been interested in. Yeah. Right. So when I first really got into fitness, I was a wrestler. I was a competitive okay. wrestler growing up. And then from wrestling, I went into powerlifting and powerlifting was my life. And like, it's all I thought I wanted to do. And I thought I only wanted to work with big, sweaty, hairy powerlifters who just wanted to lift as much as they possibly yeah. could. And, Hagrid's. and, uh, yeah, Hagrid's ex- yeah. essentially. And then, but over the course of my career, I sort of, I, I, got out of that and I started working with more everyday general population people. The majority the majority of the people I work with are women between like 25 to 65 years old. Sure. A lot of men too, but mainly women. And um, my view of fitness has really molded to the people who, who need it most, right? And so I, I think everybody needs fitness in some sense, but I really enjoy working with the masses, the everyday people, the, the mothers, the fathers, the 
people who work nine to five, maybe they work a little bit more, they travel a lot, they have yeah. kids, they just, they wanna be healthy and fit and they wanna feel good, they wanna be confident in not only how they look, but what their body can do. They don't wanna be worried about their back going out, they don't wanna be worried about not being able to keep up with their kids. So for me, fitness, is it really is very molded to the individual, but the part of fitness that I enjoy most is helping people just be able to live a healthy, happier life while including fitness within that rather than fitness taking up the entirety of their life. That's cool because like I think a lot of people, obviously most people who end up working in the fitness industry, either coaching, personal training, owning gyms, whatever it happens to be, often they come from a background of kind of a sports background like you did. Uh, and that sometimes steers them more towards, because that's where their interest is, right? That's where they, they really get a hard on for this complex programming and stuff like that which doesn't suit the everyday people and they really go into into a lot of depth which isn't necessarily well necessary right and yep. and I found that when I started in the fitness industry that was being a bit of I didn't come from a from a fitness or sports background at all but I came from a science background so I was kind of a geek when it came to the human body and I soon realized that nobody gives a shit about that stuff. They just want to know how they can Correct. how they can feel yeah. a bit better about themselves, right? That's exactly right. I mean, if you if you go back and look at my content, I started making content in 2011, July of 2011 okay. is when I made my first website. And wow. if you go back and look at my content from 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, you'll read a very different author. And a lot of it is, you know, talking about anterior pelvic tilt and upper and lower cross syndrome and yeah. talking about oh God, like, yeah. the, oh, we're going to look at your infraspinatus. And it was like, I was a super nerd on, on, in terms of kinesiology and physiology. Yeah, and yeah. I wanted to, and I, I still am nerdy in that sense, but I really like coaching people. Yeah. And when you actually start to coach people, yet you learn to realize you actually tend to do better when you use Harry Potter references, the stuff that they can understand and relate to, as compared to trying to use big words that they're not going to understand. Sure. And, and I mean, obviously, of the nearly three quarters of a million followers you've got, uh, most of them have come about since you started using more Harry Potter references, right? Correct. That's yeah. exactly right. That's how I mean, I, I made content for like six years with several thousand people following me up to that point. And then yeah. once I, start, I stopped trying to sound smart and once I started actually communicating with people in a way that they could enjoy and understand, that's when things took off. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's the, the, the fancy words and the science stuff to that degree, the, the anatomy and physiology stuff, it's really, it really appeals to other coaches and other, other geeks, but it doesn't necessarily help anyone, right? That's exactly right. And, and not to mention, I didn't know it at the time, but the reason I was speaking that way is because I wanted to impress other coaches. Oh yeah, I, yeah. Wanted, I wanted other people to think I was smart. And yeah. I thought, okay, well, the only way I can do that is by using big, fancy words. Yeah. But when I realized oh, my goal isn't to make other coaches think I'm smart, my goal is to actually help people, that's when my conversation changed. That's when my, my dialect, my, the words I use changed and the content I created changed. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think when I first kind of came across your uh your instagram content was it was years back but i I'm, you had less than a hundred thousand followers when i first mm. kind of started um started following you and kind of and looking at your content and i've seen kind of a change not quite as drastic a change as you've described there but i've definitely seen it become more i don't know more it seems more real. I think that's the only yeah. way of putting it. It seems more real. And I can see why that appeals to more people. And that's something which has kind of inspired me to be a bit less sciencey and a bit more just 
uh, yeah, real life and talk about experiences and talk talk in terms that that people are actually going to get because otherwise, you know, you're not actually you're 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 limiting the understanding that the other people are going to have. Correct. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so when did you? I mean, you said you you first started doing um, kind of your your online stuff, your website, and all the rest of it. So we're looking at like nine years ago now. Was that kind of as soon as you'd started working in the fitness industry, or had you been working in the fitness industry for a while before you went online? No, I'd been working in the fitness industry for a while. So I I started wrestling when I was eight years old. Wow. And then when I went to high school at 13, 14 years old, I made varsity as a freshman. So. I beat a junior out for the varsity spot, but I had to cut a lot of weight. I had to cut from 112 pounds to 103 pounds every week. Yeah. And then because of that, my technique was good. My endurance was good. I'd already been wrestling for a number of years, but my strength going up against mostly juniors and seniors was nowhere near where it needed to be. Yeah. So I, I found a gym a couple towns over for me. It was actually, it was a kettlebell gym because uh, I come from a Russian family and I was working with a bunch of Russians in wrestling and they were using kettlebells and yeah. I wanted to learn how to use them better. And they were sort of just starting to make their way into the fitness industry. Yeah, it's a relatively recent just, one, isn't it? Yeah, it was it was 2005, 2006, yeah. and pa- Pavel Satsulin had really just sort of came into the U.S. as yep. like the the kettlebell guy. I bought all of his books, and I applied to this gym the couple towns over from me. I was like, I'll take the trash out, I'll clean the floor, let me just intern with you and learn how to how to use these things properly. And so I worked there all throughout high school from 14 until 18, and then. Uh, after that, you know, I interned at Westside Barbell. I trained there. I trained at Cressy Sports Performance. And then that's when I, I started my website after about six years in the industry. So you had a pretty, like post, uh, post wrestling, you know, you talk about doing your powerlifting and stuff. You had a, uh, a pretty solid, um, pretty solid background in powerlifting. Then if you're at Westside and then at Cressy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. I, cause what happened was when I stopped wrestling in high school, once I graduated, I thought I was going to wrestle in college, but then I was like, nah, I really don't want to cut weight anymore. I've had enough of this. Like I want to do something else. So it's actually a pretty natural transition. You see a lot of old wrestlers going into powerlifting. So I went to powerlifting. I became obsessed with it. This is when Louis started to put out YouTube videos and I was just obsessed with everything he was saying. Like Louis had had this cult like following that he just put out a YouTube video and he's talking about bands and chains, accommodating resistance and conjugate method. And everyone's like, oh my God, this guy's a genius. He's a psychopath, but he's a genius. (laughs) Definitely a psychopath. (laughs) And and then I, I... I was obsessed with him and I was powerlifting. So I wrote him an email and basically said the same thing to him just several years later. I said, I'll take the trash out. I'll clean the floors. Let me just come and learn from you. And uh, I got to train there for like four months. My total increased by 400 pounds in, in that time frame. Yeah. And uh, it was crazy, man. It was it was unbelievable. That's, that's cr- it is. It's, it's amazing to kind of like when you see someone, and I think this is always the case. Like I always forget when you look at someone online, you look at someone on on social media and you forget about everything that's kind of come before that and you forget about all the stuff that's that's led to where that person is now you know humans are the worst for comparison aren't we like we're always comparing Mm. ourselves to others and and you forget that everyone's got this i mean because you earlier in the year i'm sure you did you you put something up about social media being quite challenging for you as well oh yeah yeah i was getting a lot of anxiety from it Yeah, yeah big time was that like what was that coming from because obviously i mean with with the number of the number of followers you have i imagine there's a bit of pressure there was it to do with that or was it other stuff uh it was it was a lot to do with that i think there was a lot going on in terms of the uh the environment in the united states yes. was and still yep. is pretty intense um 
and I think that was that combined with the order like the the pressure that's already there with having a quarter of a, like three quarters of a million people following yeah. you and messaging you and demanding things of you. Um, it was really stressful. And just to be totally honest and straightforward, the, the idea of cancel culture just petrifies me. Sure. Right. This, the idea of you look at people who have worked their entire careers to build themselves and to, to really make a name for themselves and build a tremendous business. And then one person says something and everything comes tumbling down. Yeah. Right. So like, yeah. that just absolutely petrified me. And yeah. I didn't know it. I started going to therapy. I started going to therapy because I was having like tightness in my chest and I was anxious all the time. And I was like, this isn't good. I don't like, and it started to take away from the enjoyment of social media because I really love social media. I love connecting with people all over the world. Yeah. I love the fact that you and I can be talking right now. We've never met before. We've never yeah. spoken before, but we can have a great conversation because of social media. I yeah, love that. Absolutely. So a lot of the joy was being taken out of it for me because of the anxiety. So I started talking to a therapist and I realized that that's what was causing it. I didn't know cancel culture was what was driving that yeah. fear, but it actually, that's what, what it was. So that's helped therapies helped a lot with it. Um, and I think if you go back and look at my content from like six months ago to more in the last one to two months, you'll see a big difference in terms of six months ago, my content was a lot more timid and like it, it was a lot more just like, all right, we're just going to brush the surface with what I want to talk about. Yeah. But if you look at my content now, it's a lot more me. It's yeah. a lot more like, fuck it. I'm going to say what I want to say, when I want to say it, I'm going to say how I want to say it. And that was something that I was making me anxious because I wasn't doing that as much about six months ago because I was scared of people like taking it the wrong way or people coming after me. And then through therapy, I was like, screw it. Like I need to be myself. And if some people don't like it, that's totally fine. I think the the important point to remember, which is really hard because I mean, like, dude, I, I've got nowhere near where, where, where you are. Like, like it's, it's not, I'm not trying to compare at all in, in, in terms of that level of pressure. Um, but there's, there's so many people I speak to who are almost worried about putting in the work to achieve something great because they don't want that exact thing mm. that you've just described and there is this um this this fear of yeah fear of success obviously lots of people are afraid of failure but there's this fear of success because it makes you paint a target on your back in in some ways Correct. and and i think that yeah this year has has maybe shown it to be a, an issue more than ever before but I guess if people are going to come after you, they are going to come after you even if you water it down. Like they're going to come after you either way, right? That's exactly right. And and for whatever it's worth, this is something that I've spoken ad infinitum about with my therapist who's just been unbelievably helpful. Um, I know I have a tendency to do this and he told me that it's human nature to do this. It's it's something called catastrophize. Whereas as soon as you, you think of something that you've done, all of a sudden you go to absolute worst case scenario. Like what is like the single worst possible thing that could happen because of this, right? Yep. And you just go down this, it's snowballs and snowballs and snowballs and, and it's just all in your head. And you think, oh, like I said this one thing and now like I'm gonna, my entire career is going down. I'm gonna lose all my clients. I'm gonna lose everything. Everyone's gonna hate yeah, me. Yeah. And then through talking about that, he's like, do you really think that's very likely? And I was like, no, not like talking about it. No, he's like, that's correct. Cause it's not, and it doesn't mean it, it can't happen or it won't happen. But the likelihood of that happening is yep. so outrageously small, not to mention, he said, it's human nature to think that 
whatever bad happens is going to be like the end. But yeah. what we what we neglect to realize and think about is just because something bad happens doesn't mean you can't work through it. And and realistically, and it's interesting. He said humans tend to uh, overestimate how how bad things will be and also overestimate how good things will be. Yeah. So you can sort of relate to this from the perspective of if someone's ever had a goal, I want to lose 20 pounds, they get to those 20 pounds. And in their mind, they think when I lose 20 pounds, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be confident. This is going to be amazing. Everyone's going to love me. And they lose 20 pounds and they're like, well, that, that doesn't feel that good. Like this yeah, wasn't as cool as I thought it was going to be. It, the exact same thing happens in reverse, right? So you, when you think, oh, when I, when I make six figures, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be great. Everyone's going to love me. I'm going to buy what I want. And you make six figures and you're like, that's really not that great. Like I was chasing the wrong thing the whole time. And the same yeah. thing goes in reverse where it's like, oh man, if this happens, then like if I lose this client or if this bad things happens, then like I'm going to lose everything. And it's going to be terrible. Usually things tend to be more around the middle ground. And, yeah. and that's where like I'm doing my best to try and pull myself back in, reel myself back in whenever I notice myself catastrophizing, just being like, hey, let's try and run the middle ground here. I think it's the the ego thing again with 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 humans and their egos and thinking they're more important than they actually are. That works two ways, right? Because you we always think of ego as being people thinking they're better than they actually are, but actually it works in reverse as well where people think they're worse than they actually are. That's still your ego inflating your self-importance. Like if you if you fuck up, you're probably it's it's not entirely your fault in in any scenario there's so much chance there's other people's decisions involved and also your the idea that if you do fuck up everyone's going to care and everyone's going to hate you most people don't really care about you that much <laughs> like they and and so if you that's do mess exactly up right. you know it's not that big a deal right that's it, and it was funny that was something we spoke about I was talking about how I was anxious to post on social media, which is weird because it's what I've done my whole life and what I really enjoy doing. Yeah. And and we spoke about why. And, and basically I told him I was worried about people coming after me and people trying to tear me down. And he was like, do you really think people are out there just thinking about you all the time? <laughs> yeah. And it, it was funny because I was like, in my initial gut response was yes. But yeah. then after we spoke about it, I was like, how often am I thinking about anybody else? Yeah. Like how often am I going around like thinking like, oh, that person sucks. I'm going to try and take that person. Like I'll, never, I'm never no. just spending all my time thinking about one person. I'm sure there are a few psychopaths out there who spend yep. all their time focusing on one person, but the vast majority of people, we've got our own shit to deal with. Yes. Like we're not worrying yeah. about other people on social media. Yeah, that's it. Like the, everyone has, everyone has got enough stuff on their plate already without worrying about what some fitness guy said this one time in an Instagram post. Correct. That's exactly right. I mean, you talk about like your kind of enjoyment of social media and stuff like that. Was that something that's, I mean, because some of the guys listening to this who might not have come across you before um, might not know that, for example, you were working with Gary Vaynerchuk for a long time, um, for a number of years. Was Is that right? You were working with yeah, him three for years. years? Yeah, three years, seven days a week. And did that kind of were you into social media before that or or did that really spark an interest because obviously Gary is like you know he's the social media guy right yeah so I was into social media before that I used it I used Instagram I used Facebook I used YouTube um, but 
actually in terms of my business, my business was mainly built on the foundation of my website and my email list. So I was much more of, of a SEO, search yep. engine optimization email list guy. When I started working with Gary, I was like, you know what, you know, he is the social media guy, so I'm gonna try and learn from him. And I, I sort of put email and, and my website on the back end and I focused a lot more on social media. And that's when I really started to love it. And, and it was funny because the thing that I started to love is eventually what started to give me so much anxiety, right? The inter, I loved the interaction. Yep. You post an article on a website, you could get comments, but you don't get like interaction with people. No. You don't get like in conversations with people. And I loved Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, these conversations, that you, like full blown conversations that you could have with people all over the world. Yeah. But as things grew and grew and grew, uh, yeah, I got it got more and more anxiety producing. Yeah, and uh, that's the power of social. I mean, social media is it's a tool. At the end of the day, it's like a it's like a it's like a kettlebell like you were talking about earlier on it's a versatile tool it, if it's used in the right way it can it can yield tremendous results and if it's used in a in a terrible way then it can injure someone severely correct yeah i'll, I'll tell you i remember i'll never forget the first time i vividly remember the very first time i got really anxious about this like cancel culture in in my life was i came across an instagram account that had about 5000 followers the entire Instagram account was solely dedicated to fitness influencer gossip. Right. And basically they would post screenshots and videos and messages with people who had big audiences in the fitness industry and the comments would just tear them apart. And I was like, no need. this is the craziest thing to me that like there are literally people, not only that, that people interact with that account, that people made this account literally just to gossip about yeah. people in the fitness. And I was like, this is the craziest thing in the world. I was like, I can't believe something like this exists. And I vividly remember that like gut wrenching feeling of like, oh my God, you're going to end up on this page one day for who knows what. And it was, just, it was so, that was like the moment that like it all started to, the snowball began. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's, I think it's, it can be really shocking when you see a glimpse into another uh, I guess an, another person's viewpoint when they're doing something that's quite destructive because if, if you're not that way inclined yourself which like you said the vast majority of people aren't you know there's there's not many people in the world who are actually dicks most people are trying to trying to do their best and um, and when you see someone who's really being out of order it can be really shocking if because because you just can't understand it you can't fathom it because it's not what you would do right correct that's exactly right when you were working with Gary, uh, obviously you were away for long periods of time. You're traveling all, all over the world, I imagine, because he was, he was, you know, jetting off all over the place. Did you manage to keep up a, uh, a good routine in terms of looking after yourself when you were that busy? Like, was, was there, did you slip off track? What was, what was the kind of deal there for you? Yeah, that was brutal. So I traveled with Gary seven days a week for three years straight. No weekends, no vacations, no holidays. It was literally seven days a week for three years. So if he was in Hong Kong, I was in Hong Kong. If he was in Los Angeles, I was in Los Angeles. If he was in London, I was in London seven days a week, three years straight. Yeah. And it was, uh, I'd say the first six months were really brutal. The whole time was really tough, but the first six months was a complete and utter lifestyle change. I went from being a competitive elite power lifter, not missing a workout for five years straight, going into, well, now my entire focus is on this one guy, traveling all over the world in different time zones all the time, spending more times in airports and hotels than in my own bed in New York City. So for the first time in my life, 
I didn't have a workout routine. My nutrition was terrible. I was eating out of airports, eating at restaurants, getting room service. I was like tr- super tired from traveling all over the world. I like my workouts were almost non-existent, maybe working out once to twice a week at most. And, uh, for the first time, like I gained a significant amount of body fat, lost a tremendous amount of muscle. I wasn't sleeping very much. I was pulling several all nighters a week just to keep up with my work. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was really tough. Yeah. And like, did you, was there, was there a kind of realization that that was affecting the, your work? Would you say that like when you, with that amount of physical strain, right? I mean, I was, one of the things I was going to ask about was, and if, if you'd, if you'd had any particular physical or, or mental challenges, um, over the years, which really stand out, obviously we've touched on the kind of mental challenges of this year, which, you know, I mean, this year has been a significant mental challenge for everyone, I think. Um, but like with your particular one that you've, that you've talked about just now but in terms of physical challenges the the all-nighters the 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 food the time zone changes did that have knock-on effects to other areas in terms of like for example your work and stuff like that because you weren't doing the fitness habits that you had before you know it's interesting so my work was the one thing that i could really focus on okay and uh a, a really wise mentor once told me that out of work sleep fitness, uh, business at work, sleep, fitness, friends and family. You can only ever choose three at one time. Okay. Right. Because it's, you can't, you can't balance all five at once. Okay. Right. So what, and basically what I did is I only focused on work through that whole time. I didn't, I didn't focus on sleep, like completely ruined my sleep. My own fitness was ruined. Didn't keep in touch with friends or family. Like the one thing I focused on was my work. And so, I mean, I was posting on Instagram three times a day, every day. I was posting on YouTube minimum of one time a week. I was doing my own podcast, like my content that like I was nonstop. And so over that time frame, my, my content and my business really exploded. That's probably right around the time that you started following me probably in 2016. Yeah. And, uh, cause that was when I had under a hundred thousand. Yeah. Um, yeah, you were working and, with Gary uh, when I started following. Yeah. So, so that's the one thing that really skyrocketed during that time frame because I was spending all of my free time on it and I yeah. had everything else go by the wayside. But in terms of feelings of, of guilt and hypocrisy, those were definitely there. Like, because I'm a fitness professional telling people to make sure they're getting enough sleep and eating well and exercising. And here I am on the other side of the screen, not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that that's more, it's probably more common than people realize when they're looking at their favorite fitness influencers on Instagram and things like that. I think that it is very, it's, it's so much a highlights reel. And, and mm-hmm. if you're, if you're trying to market a business, especially, then it's even more of a highlights reel than, than, you know, the, your random person who obviously is just posting their holiday pictures and they're not posting pictures of their kids crying in the same way. If you're marketing something, you're trying to sell something. And this is one of the things which kind of put me off the fitness industry in a lot of ways. And I kind of took six months out was because people, it was always extremes, which, which sell. It's, it's easy to make extremes seem sexy. Um, Correct. over the years i think like you know over the past five years maybe more and more people have started becoming a bit more transparent in the challenges that they're having and they're being a bit more real about it in the fitness industry but there's still so much which is all you know greased up six packs and it's 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 not it's it's not the real life is it no it's not at all and you've got 
physique competitors and fitness competitors posting up the only pictures they post are when they're emaciated and on stage in a bikini or in their bathing suit, whatever it is, but they never post what they look like in the off season. They never yep. post about what they look like when they're normally eating. They don't post about the struggles that they have with binge eating or body dysmorphia. Yeah, which it's is like so rife in, in that kind of thing, isn't oh, it? Oh, it's, it's, it's so funny. Like a lot of what I talk about on my pages, you know, is, is improving your relationship with food, yeah. right? Being able to get over binge eating and to improve your relationship with food, have a more balanced approach. I've been attacked by many bodybuilders when they're actually competing. Cause they're like, that's not true. This is bullshit. Da, 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 da. But then the same bodybuilders come back to me once they stop competing and they're like, Hey, I need help. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which, which I love. I'm like, I will accept, I'll always accept you. I'll always help you. But it's interesting how, when they're in the heat of it, when they're actively competing, they deny that they're going through this struggle, which is very common. Like addicts struggle with that. People struggle with that. When you're actually in the midst of a struggle, you'll deny it. You may, you might literally not even recognize it, but once you're through it, once you get to another side, once you reach a certain point, you're like, Hey, I have a problem and I need, I need help. So it's uh yeah, it's a, it's a big problem. Same thing. You know, you see the cover of men's health magazine or men's fitness or, you know, women's health, all this stuff. You see all these magazines where the cover is someone who just, they, aside from the the photoshop and the editing to make the picture look like the way they want it taking out the cellulite blah 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 you have someone who is probably on anabolic steroids yeah. who trains multiple times a day every single day who is like they probably on a very restrictive diet in order to look like that literally just for the photo shoot yeah but they don't talk about that it's just this is just what it, what they think what people think they're supposed to look like if they're fit and that's not fitness no no and it's it's one of these um i, th I think magazines they, they definitely had that effect on me um when when i was first coming into the fitness industry as well i didn't come from like i said i didn't come from a background of sports or anything like that and I, when i came into the fitness industry from uh i used to be a science teacher right so i'm kind of i look like a science teacher i'm built like a science <laughs> teacher right um and I've, I've i played around and dabbled with 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 powerlifting as a training thing i'd never competed but i kind of i used that principle and i remember chatting to a guy who was a who was a heavyweight powerlifter friend of mine and he just he he I remember him saying oh it's a great sport for you because not many people compete in your weight category and I know I, was, I think I would have been in the like the 75s or something like that so um and he yeah, just kind yeah. of looked me up and down and went because you look more like a badminton player and I was like so that's <laughs> that's what I look like right I was coming into the fitness industry as a as a, 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 a visibly science teacher badminton player type guy and every everyone around me was like um six packs and uh biceps ripping through their t-shirts and stuff like that and I had so many times where people looked at me and were like you're a personal trainer and I was like <laughs> yeah. I was like yeah but, but that's not and I, I got sucked into it and I, I I felt so insecure for for a long time and there's still elements of that now where I kind of feel like I, I feel like it, I, I don't fit somehow but it's few and far between at the start it was terrible and that was from someone who kind of could could see the reality of it and, and was talking to people who had this kind of horrible relationship with food and they had no social life. And yet I still was like, kind of almost like wanted to be like them somehow. And you think the general population is seeing this, not just through the magazine covers, but in movies and stuff like that as well, where the superheroes are always made out to look a certain way. And you think, oh, this is kind of, this is what a strong, powerful man looks like. And, and it's just like, they're, they're it's their job to look that way. Like they don't have Correct. this other stuff we've got to do. Correct. It's, it's, 
they're a hundred percent focus all day, every day. That's all they do. That's all yeah. they focus on. Yeah. And they yeah. get paid millions for it, which is so, you know, fair play. If someone paid me millions to look like that, I would do it. <laughs> yeah. To starve yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll if, be hungry to, I'll be hungry to get paid millions. Like, yeah. why not? If anyone's, if anyone's listening to that and wants to offer me millions for, for, for eating a restrictive diet and, um, and getting big muscles, then like, just hit me up. Yeah. N- not to mention there's a it's funny a lot of people hate on on performance enhancing drugs and and uh and testosterone and yep. steroids there's a lot of media hate on it but they don't realize it's literally the most commonly used drug outside of marijuana oh absolutely yeah like it is and never mind the fit just the fitness industry like it is just it's rampant and yep. and I don't, I don't, I'm not going to hate on it. I don't think it's bad. I no, think they're actually going to get a tremendous amount of benefits for it. Um, if you use it properly and with the doctor's help, but what people don't realize is that these people in the magazines, it's like, you really don't think that like when they're offered a significant amount of money to look a certain way on, uh, on camera, that they're not going to use this stuff. Yeah, like you're it's there. Of course it's they're and they're physiologically different. Yep. They literally have a different physiology than you because of this it's like you can't comparison uh, we spoke about before it's like we all compare ourselves it's one thing to compare yourself to yourself which even that can be a little bit difficult if you're comparing yourself to who you were five years ago when you have a different lifestyle it's another thing to compare yourself to another person which is just ridiculous it's another thing to compare yourself to another person who's on anabolic steroids yeah yeah <laughs> it's like yeah. completely different i was reading something recently which was talking about this comparison thing again and because I, I looked this up because i found myself doing it again i was comparing myself to um to someone on on Instagram that was it was a pointless comparison to make because it was I'm trying to remember who it was now I think it was like Ross Edgley or someone like that who's like the dude who swam around the British Isles the guy's an absolute tank yeah, um, yeah, yeah. amazing bloke think he's I think he's incredible inspiring guy but um I, there, he put up a picture of him working out with Chris Hemsworth or something like that and um <laughs> I was like, I was like, man, I'm really unfit. <laughs> I just thought, <laughs> I thought, oh my God, I, am, I, am I genuinely doing this? Am I genuinely comparing myself to someone who is that, like that level of fitness? And um, so I, I, got on, I, got, I got online and I did a bit of searching. I was like, is this a thing? Do humans really compare themselves this much or is it just me? And I was reading an article, I think it was in Psychology Today or something like that. And it was talking about comparison and it was talking about how we not only compare ourselves to other people, but when we compare ourselves, in a certain uh, with, with a certain thing in mind we look for the person w- who's at an, in the top like one percent of that and compare mm. ourselves to them and so if we're comparing even just within our group of friends if we're comparing our financial success we compare it to the most financially successful person we know and we don't compare ourselves to someone who's average we go well this person is doing way better than me and I think the issue with social media in, in terms of this particular thing is whereas before we see our family and friends in one place and we see celebrities in another place, like in the cinema or on TV or in magazines, but now we're scrolling through Instagram, we're seeing our Uncle Steve and then we're seeing Ross Edgley and then we're seeing, you know, <laughs> Auntie Susan and then we're seeing like, you know, whoever and we're seeing them in the same place and it blurs the lines so much that that we're, we, we almost feel like we're, they are part of our friendship group because we're seeing them in the same place. Yeah, that's super interesting. I never thought about that, how you don't just compare yourself to someone else, you compare yourself to the elite of the elite yeah. of the elite, right? <laughs> yeah. Which is, it's so funny because uh, even like, I think about this all the time here in the United States. It's like, there, there's clearly, there's a, a huge disparity in wealth, right? Yes. There's a yeah. huge disparity. But what's interesting is, 
almost everybody, the vast majority of people, even those who might be considered lower income in the United States, are still massively more well off than people in other countries and, and oftentimes many more people in throughout the world, like significant numbers of people. Yep. And it's so interesting how what you see around you is the first thing you compare yourself to when like, man, if you look around the world, I mean, it's, it's extraordinary if you, yep. if you really, to, to actually like look at the overall population of the world versus just the neighborhood that you're in. This is what I, when I was a kid, um, I grew up in a really like well off town and I was like not well off right? Like we, I was not well off, like didn't have a big house, didn't like have much money. Money was always an issue. And I was always comparing myself to the people in my town, the kids in my town who had way more money yep. versus if I looked at other countries or other people in the world, it was like, there's no question that I, I'm so far better off than them in terms of like, not only my family, but also just like, I have so many more advantages, yeah, which yeah. is so, so easy to, to not see that when you only focus on the people that have what you don't want who yeah. have who have what you don't have yeah i think it's i think it's an evolutionary thing because um you know we are we are evolutionary we're programmed to want more we're programmed to be greedy in a sense because it, you know 300,000 years ago it helped us survive um but but now our survival is pretty much guaranteed i mean you and i are living in in um in countries where we we're not having to search through rubbish tips for scraps of food and stuff like that you know so we're, we're, survival is pretty sorted for us um for the most part we're very lucky in that sense and um but because our primal brain is so keen to be greedy it's always looking for a bit more a bit more a bit more and we've got to try and as long as we understand that and we know that that's that's going to be there and we can we don't have to listen to it you know we don't have to listen to it and we need to remember that to have that perspective and and look at actually yeah it's it's that it's having a bit of conscious gratitude isn't it which i think is part of fitness really because i mean i come i come from an angle about mental and physical fitness and i think a big part of mental fitness a big part of emotional fitness is is having that kind of conscious gratitude for for even you know if you woke up this morning a lot of people didn't yeah that's exactly right and it's actually it's ironic because survival is all but guaranteed now yeah i think that's one of the reasons why so much physical health has gone down the drain yeah right yeah. whereas because so many things are are more or less guaranteed that it's so many things are right at our fingertips so many things are so easy to have yep. that now oftentimes physical health will go down the drain and also mental health is massively affected as well but the the physical side of things it as things get easier and easier and easier and easier, the less we actually have to stress our bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it like we, we used to have to work for stuff and now we don't. And our body is still physiologically the same as it's been for tens of thousands of years. Um, it hasn't caught up with the Amazon Prime era of you want it, you want it, you can have it right now if you like. Um, uh, have you come across the author Mark Manson? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So um, I remember his well, his most uh, his most recent book, I think it was um, "Everything Is Fucked," a book about hope. Um, but he was talking about how the fact that we have nothing to, or we have less to worry about, because survival is pretty much guaranteed. We have to create things to worry about, which is kind of making the the comparison thing worse. It's making the um, the anxiety and the chronic stress that people are under. Because if we didn't know where our next meal was coming from, if we had to we had to worry about the basic stuff like finding shelter and and surviving on that base level, you wouldn't be worrying about how many emails you've got to reply to. That's exactly right, man. Dude, it's so funny you say that. That's one of the main reasons I love jujitsu. I do jujitsu six days a week and and I, it's the first thing I do in the day. And one of the reasons is because 
when I start my day, trying not to get choked out by someone else, <laughs> all of the rest of the problems that I have in the day seem relatively insignificant. So when I start my day literally fighting for my life, yep. everything else is is pretty relaxed. Yeah, this, it's, a, it's, a, it's perspective. Again, it's essentially being choked out in jiu-jitsu, I imagine, is extreme mindfulness. Yeah. Yeah, extreme <laughs> mindfulness. Mindfulness doesn't have to be, you know, sitting in a park listening to the birds. It doesn't have to be meditating. It can be being choked out by by some guy in a in a in a in a gi because you, <laughs> because there there is no way you're going to think about anything else. That's perfect perfect time to meditate. Um, bungee jumping and skydiving, I imagine, would be very similar. I haven't had the haven't had the opportunity yet, but I imagine that you're not going to be worrying about you know the the your kids recital when you're um when you're that far above the ground hurtling towards um, that's exactly right <laughs> hurtling towards potential death but yeah extreme mindfulness it's like that kind of cold cold immersion which is obviously um kind of becoming quite a big thing in the fitness industry like through people like Wim Hof and stuff like that have been doing it for decades and now it's becoming really popular to go and dunk yourself in cold water for whatever the kind of health benefits uh, might be in terms of immunity and stuff like that but take away all the physical kind of benefits that people want to get from that if you are submerged holding your breath in a load of ice you're not going to be worrying about anything else again it's that complete release of chronic yeah. stress yeah I, I agree completely 100% man I was actually going to ask you what was your best lesson so far from jiu-jitsu because obviously it's that's that's a more recent thing for you isn't it the last couple of years is it yeah so jiu-jitsu started a little over a year ago yeah so i was thinking like you know i mean you kind of answered it like <laughs> that mindfulness as well but is there anything else that kind of jiu-jitsu and this new skill that you're trying to learn has, has taught you so far man there's been a lot but uh I never cease to be amazed. So I go to one of the best schools in the world, Henzo Gracie Academy in New York wow, City. Yeah. And like some, some of the best fighters in the world, George St. Pierre goes there, Gordon Ryan goes there, Gary Tonin, like some of the best fighters to ever nice. walk the earth. And uh, you would imagine, and, and I know like if you, if you have ever seen any professional athletes sometimes in person, they can be a little bit standoffish. And you would imagine that you go into the, the dojo of some of the best fighters ever, you'd imagine they might be a little bit standoffish. Man, I can't begin to tell you you walk in there and it doesn't matter if it's your first day as a white belt or yeah. your blue belt, brown belt, whatever. Like everyone is not only shaking your hands, but bowing to you yeah. at the end of every class, every person bows to you, to the other person. They shake their hands. They say good class. And it, it's the respect shown in this group of people is something like I've never seen before. Certainly not on social media. There is no respect shown on social media. And it, it's very interesting. I hear Joe Rogan talk about it a lot because yeah. he's a very well-trained fighter and, and it, it sort of rings, rings true in something I've seen as well, where the more dangerous these you are and the more you understand violence and you understand martial arts and you understand self-defense the more respectful you're going to be yeah. whereas a lot of times these armchair warriors who like don't know they've never struggled they've never faced any of these things they, they just talk and they yap yeah. and they're disrespectful and it's it's been so humbling for me to walk in there and see the best fighters in the world treating every single person person with the most respect you could ever possibly imagine it's uh it's been a, a reality check, a huge perspective shift. And it's, I think it's made me a better person, more respectful person because, you know, why not be kind? Yeah. Why, why not be respectful? Like, why not? You know, why not and, and be I think, kind? I'm writing that down. Why not be yeah. kind? That's a, that's, I mean, it's, it's, it seems like such an obvious thing, but it is, why not be kind? Like, I mean, it, it's like, it's like that phrase, manners cost nothing. It, it's, it's like, what, that's it. What's the point? What, what do you stand to benefit from not being kind? It's, 
it's uh, it's it's crazy but um i think that that's something which is very strong throughout all martial arts is this respect whether you look at kind of japanese and eastern martial arts and brazilian jiu-jitsu and all of these kind of different variations of different martial arts from all over the world um because you get them from everywhere right everyone always thinks of kind of the asian um you know chinese and and japanese martial arts like aikido and kung fu and karate and stuff like that but they're from all over the place obviously israel's got krav maga and stuff like that and there's i mean i know it's different with 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 that because it's uh it's it was a a fighting method in a slightly different sense than the than the ones Mm -hmm. from the far east but it's still got that level of respect for your opponent because you know that it's well, I mean, fighting is is a very primal thing, isn't it? And it's it is uh, back in the day that was fighting for your life, literally. And so that that's exactly it, right. It kicks in those primal responses of survival, and and that forces you to be respectful of the danger that you're potentially in. Yeah, yeah. It's so man. It's so interesting. Every single day when I walk in and go to jujitsu, I'm nervous. Like my heart rate increases. Yeah. Sometimes I, I I even like struggle to sleep the night before, depending on who I know I'm going to be rolling with the next day. <laughs> And then like, I'll go in and I'm nervous as soon as, as soon as the fight is over, like everyone's hugging you and like, yeah. just like you, you have the most respect between you two. And you, you even see this in professional fights, right? Yes. Right. Where like, there's a huge amount of like talk and banter yeah. and like shit talking between yeah. them before it sells as tickets, soon as the though, fight's it? over. That, it, that's exactly right. And I always wonder, I'm like, they've got to be pushing the fighters to sort of talk smack just to get the ticket Without sales a up. Doubt. Yeah. It's all part of the show, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's funny. The the I mean, I started watching the UFC in, in like 2000, 2001, and it's been interesting to watch the transformation that it's become oh, more it's and huge. more like WWE, right? Yeah. Where it's like, they, like you know, people have run into the cage and like pushed the like the the person who just got the new belt, and it's like, man, this is this is more like a show than anything else. Yeah, but you still watch it because it's so entertaining. <laughs> obsessed with it just absolutely obsessed with it yeah you can't, this is the thing is it doesn't have to be you i mean there can be the doubt in the back of your mind but when you're watching it you're not doubting it are you you're like oh yeah yes exactly yeah I, with the with the martial arts thing it's something that i really want my my two daughters to to do is some form of martial art for i mean i think there's obviously tremendous benefits physically obviously because it's 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 something that you can really when you're learning a sport and when you're learning a skill it can give you that immediate reward that that of of learning and progressing um and then the the long-term benefits to your health and fitness become less of a focus in your mind but they you achieve them better because you're enjoying the process but also because I know that it will teach them this kind of discipline and respect and yeah. and it will, they'll everyone I meet who's who's done any kind of amount any good amount of some kind of martial art has got such a different perspective to those who haven't and I I haven't I haven't but I'm just I I'm I love it and you I I can see when I speak to people the the impression that it's made and I'm so keen for that to be an experience that my girls have yeah man you should do it you should do it with them yeah i probably should mate i probably should there's a great i I did a little bit of thai boxing for a little while but it was like it was you know it was a few months it wasn't even a few years and i loved it i absolutely enjoyed it so much um but i I quite want them to do jujitsu because i think it's it's um it's such a practical and um not technical i guess is the word as well isn't it it's very technical it doesn't require you to be big and powerful because it's all about joint angles and all of that and so that appeals to me when it's obviously my two daughters i'd like to think it's not all about how big and strong you are 
Well, and I mean, I talk about this for women all the time. It's not only about how big and strong you are. It's about teaching you how to overcome a bigger and stronger yeah. individual. Yeah. And, and even equally, if not more importantly, it's all on the ground. Yes. Right. Yep. It's like where, where almost all fights are like, if like for self-defense for women, like most of it's happening with you lying down. Yeah. And so learning how to defend yourself in that situation, most people would look at someone who's fighting and say the person on bottom must be losing in jujitsu. The person on bottom has a huge advantage. Yeah. And like when you learn that you become much more confident when, when you regularly fight and, and you practice being in this position, you, you you calm down, you see things in much slower motion. You have the time to think when you've never been in that position before. And then you unfortunately find yourself in that position. You're in panic mode. You have no idea what to do. And your body will shut down. I was literally just talking about this with my coach earlier today. It's like when you fight every single day or you practice it and you become used to it. Well now now it's, it's second nature, which is why, I mean, you see like man, there are so many people who go to my school who they're, they're not like ranked in the world. They don't actively compete, but they're killers. Yeah. Like, like God forbid anybody steps on these people's toes, men and women. There's a, there's a woman who goes to the gym that I go to. She's a black belt. She's the sweetest, kindest person I've ever met. And she will destroy anyone that comes in her way. Like it's unbelievable. She doesn't compete publicly. Like she's not getting in the UFC. She doesn't want to, she like works a nine to five job, but yeah. she's a black belt. It's like, man, it is crazy. Like God forbid anyone steps on her yeah. toes because she will absolutely destroy. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Like for her, it is, and and for the vast majority of people who do things like that, it's not about going and competing necessarily. It's for their own intrinsic reward of how yeah. they feel. And you, I mean, you nailed it when you were saying about confidence because the confidence avoids those situations in the first place. The confidence, if you've got the confidence to walk away, which you've got from knowing that you could handle yourself if there was a problem, the confidence that you get from that is so much more powerful than the actual physical ability in a way. Yeah, I agree completely. Right, I'm very aware of time and I think this, you know, you mentioned Joe Rogan, we'll be here for three and a half hours if we don't. And this, is, this seems to happen with every time I interview someone or chat with someone because I just... I find people fascinating. Um, I've got really quick, little quick fire, um, few, I guess, questions, guess word association almost. So I'm going to go through 10 things and um, just a couple of, couple of words answer to each of these things. And then one final question after that. Does that sound all right? Let's do it, man. Okay. Celery juice. Fuck. <laughs> Good. <It's- laughs> Next one. Deadlifts. Amazing. Coffee. Phenomenal. Cauliflower pizza. Disgusting. Best music to work out to? Eminem. Apple cider vinegar? Ugh. Salads. Big ass salads. Hell yes. <laughs> Detox tea? Fuck that. Midnight jujitsu practice? Every night. <laughs> and what does your fiance do for a living? <laughs> <laughs> Today she's part of the uh, the lumberjack competitive circuit. Oh, amazing! I hope she's doing well with that. <laughs> um, okay, final question then, mate. If there's someone listening to this, um, my audience tends to be like my network tends to be busy professionals, self-employed people. You know, 2020's thrown them off track massively, uh, and they want to just get started or make a comeback with a few positive changes to their lifestyle. What advice would you give someone in that position? I think number one is just don't underestimate the the power and the value of just walking, right? Yeah. I, I think this is something I really want to, I've, I've been pushing it hard for the past year, but I think even the next year, I'm going to go even harder on it, yep. do some challenges 
issues with it. Um, I, I, I'll never, I'll never forget being in college and, and uh, one of my professors saying, if people actually saw the studies and what happens on a cellular level, just from walking an extra 20 minutes a day, everybody would do it. And, and it's so true. Like it, I think it's, it's part of our responsibility because we know the science and we know that what happens on a cellular level when someone just starts walking a little bit more, like how much changes, not just physiologically, but mentally and emotionally as well. Yeah. It's like if people knew the health benefit, cause I think a lot of people don't walk just because they think, well, that's not real exercise. Yeah, yeah, it's pointless. Right? Like, yeah, what's doesn't the do point? anything. It, it's it's unbelievable how beneficial it is and how much it helps. And so, if I, if I could say just one thing from an exercise perspective, if if you have no other time, just get up and walk. You could walk around your house, walk around your apartment, walk up and down the stairs. It doesn't have to be strenuous. Like I'm not saying you shouldn't do strenuous exercise. I think there's obviously a time and a place for that, and ideally you'll work up to that point. Yeah. But like looking around the world, we have an obesity epidemic. A lot of people just aren't fucking walking. So please just start walking. And and from a nutrition perspective, if you could have one salad a day, you're you're crushing it. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, The thing with the walking, something I've come across in the last couple of weeks is people talking about the fake commute because a lot of people are having to work from home this year. You know, their their routine's completely screwed and perhaps they were walking to work or they were walking to the bus stop or they were walking to their car at least. Um, And now they're walking from, you know, their bedroom to their lounge and that's it. Uh, And so what people have started doing is this fake commute where they're getting ready for work, walking out the front door, walking around the block and then coming back into their house. I love that. I love and, that. That's great. Yeah. And it bookends the day as well, because it, it's not just that it gets them into work mode. And then when they finish their work, they go out and do the same thing again before they then come back into the house and it's clocking off time and it's their evening. And it allows them to separate work and home life, even though they're doing both in the same, you know, actual location. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. I think it's a really good idea. It's one of the I did a podcast probably about a year ago now with a, a guy who was the head of health for um, a group of, of truck drivers, right? Oh, so wow. he was a, a truck driver and, and, you know, they notoriously struggle with, with heart disease and heart attacks and, yeah. and being overweight, like truck, cause they'll drive for 16 hours a day. It's yeah, just, it's and, and they go to truck stops and pick up like this, you know, very high calorie food, uh, high sodium and they'll just eat and they don't really exercise that much. And one of the things that we came up with was, um, Anytime they go to a truck stop, walking just around the entire yeah. truck 10 times. Yeah. Just like walk a circle around your truck 10 times. And if you do that throughout the day, you'll end up walking several miles. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's simple things like that that just make a tremendous difference. It is. And it's the, it's something that, um, I've heard termed movement snacking, where you just snack on these little bits nice. of movement throughout the do- throughout the day, rather than doing all of rather than doing an hour's workout in one go. If you're doing stuff like you've just said about walking around the truck or doing your fake commute, if you did your fake commute at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day, that's 15 minutes each time. That's half an hour already. If you do a little walk at lunchtime of the same, that's another that you're up at 45 minutes. And you know it it does it can be broken up with the same cumulative amount by the end of the day, right? Correct. And this is, this is one of the reasons why there, there's so many myths out there, right? So one of the myths being like, well, you don't actually get into the fat burning zone until you start, you know, <laughs> yeah. 20 minutes of walking first. It's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, You've got to use just, your glycogen first, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if I, if I could just get people to walk more, I think as a society, we would be so much healthier and happier. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I think that's an absolutely fantastic piece of piece of advice. Um, thank you so much, Jordan, for jumping on and having this conversation with me. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, it's absolutely great talking to you. And 
if people wanted to kind of connect with you, follow you on socials and stuff like that, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, I have my own podcast, the Jordan Site Mini Podcast and Instagram Site Fitness. And if you Google my name, you'll find a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, you know, you sounded you sounded proper, uh, proper serious there. You know, I, I'm kind of a big deal. If you Google my name, <laughs> you'll find me. Uh, what I'll do as well, what I'll do as well is I'll put the uh, I'll put the links in the podcast description. So if anyone is listening to this on Anchor or on Spotify, there will be clickable links in the description um, to go to Jordan's Instagram and his, uh, his YouTube and stuff like that. Um, if you're on Apple, for some reason, it doesn't like my links. So you won't be able to click them and you'll have to Google him, just like he said. Um, but <laughs> yeah awesome stuff thank you so much jordan uh, and i hope to chat to you again soon thank you man have a good one thank you for listening to fit body fit mind with me jay unwin if you aren't already connected with me on linkedin instagram or facebook then you can find all the links in the podcast description or on my website at fitbodyfitmind.online until next time stay fit stay well and have fun